afternoon. This is Dawn Long and Isaac. I'm going to mispronounce your last name. <laughs> we are doing Unstoppable Leadership Podcast, where you are going to learn about leadership skills and what you can do to move forward in your career. Isaac was also a former COO of a multi-dollar cleaning company. He took it, turned it around within three months. He is also a business coach. He is also a business professor, and he actually owns his own education company. And it is astounding what they have been able to do just within the last couple of months. They've taken a book, which he's going to show here shortly and be able to make it for parents and for teachers and make it really usable, make it really easy. Um, it even has hashtags to follow. So it is amazing what we can do in the face of adversity. So I want to introduce you and I will let you take over, Isaac. Absolutely, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, I appreciate it. And you know, it's, it's a very warm introduction and all that sort of stuff. And I kind of look back at it and I say, I've been able to do so many things, but I'm always looking more for the future of what I can do and what's the next step in the opportunity. So uh, with the cleaning company, we had great successes being able to help turn it around, get it back on track within just the three months. And I, I think it was an especially challenging three months because it wasn't just your typical three month time period, right? It was navigating the ins and outs of coronavirus. Uh, are people comfortable with this? What are the different rules and regulations? So there was just another level of complexity that went into it, but I had such a great time doing that. The education company, we've been really focusing on helping parents that are at home that are now uh, homeschool teachers that have never had to teach before, recognize the strong suits of their students, the learning styles for their students, and teach them in a way that really resonates and their learning outcomes as students is actually improved. Uh, so it, there's a lot of moving pieces to all of how it works, but it's been so exciting. We've had such a great time uh, since we've started. Yeah. And that's what I love is to be able to take something that is really in the face of adversity and turn it around really quick and help people out where there's an actual need. And I think that's where true leadership actually comes into, because that's when your greatest leaders are born is in the face of adversity. You don't grow as a leader when things are smooth sailing. Yeah, um, yeah. Look at Sam Walton. I mean, he took a supplier and he went from Ben Franklin and was like, I'm not going to stay with the supplier and went off on his own. And in the end, it created Walmart. Yeah. And yeah. those are the things that we look for when we're talking about leadership, about that adversity. So talk a little bit about, in all of the many hats that you wore through your careers, what is the adversity part of leadership that really made you grow? I think the biggest thing for me has really been, uh, I did door-to-door -door sales at one point and I was teaching people how to do door-to-door -door sales. I was one of the corporate trainers and I really had to become comfortable with hearing no, right? And I looked at what's known as in sales, the law of averages. Uh, and Bill Gates talks about this all the time, right? Um, but in, in corporate sales, what we say is that, you know, if you're going to talk to 100 people, 50% of those people right off the rip are going to say no, slam the door in your face, walk away. They're not going to want it at all. So I had to become comfortable with hearing no from people because I think so many people build up 
this idea that their their idea, their product, their business, their whatever is so valuable that everybody's going to want it. And it's a very common uh, misunderstanding that a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners, even if you don't uh, classify or categorize yourself as an entrepreneur, have that they think everybody's going to want their products, right? That's why we have target markets. It's just not the case that everybody does. But being comfortable with hearing no time and time and time again, knowing that you might only get a yes 4% of the time, but that 4% of the time is what could shift into $100 million or you know even $100. And being able to, to fight through the no's and not losing your sense of excitement towards what you're doing or towards the product uh, is what ultimately has allowed me to to do all the things that I've done. I've definitely messed up a ton of times, um, but being able to hear the no and c- continue saying like, okay, that's fine. You're one person, one data point and keep moving forward has what's allowed me to get to where I am. Yeah. And have you found when those that do say no and you still continue to build a relationship with them that they'll eventually say yes? <laughs> it's funny that you talk about this because I was actually just uh, working with uh, a coach earlier today who does a, a different style of business training, um, more like business uh, interactions and creativity in business. And what they were talking about was uh, this idea of, you know, people don't want to buy things the first time, right? They hear it the first time. It doesn't mean they're going to be interested. Uh, historically showing, it usually takes someone between seven and 12 times of hearing something before they buy it. So people don't oftentimes say yes right away. And there's, there's ways of doing it and there's techniques that you can use to get them to say yes and build more value and, and whatnot for these people. But we hear time and time and time again, people that do say, no, I'm not interested. No, I'm not interested. No, I'm not. All right. You know what? I'll try it. It's a free trial. And then they try the free trial and they're like, wow, this is great. Or it's not even a free trial. And they say, no, 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 no. Okay, fine. You know what? Just to get you to shut up, I'm going to try it. And then they realize that what you talked about value wise is there anyway, and they love it and they get hooked and now they become a lifetime customer. Yeah. Exactly. And I like that you put the word value out there because I think that's a huge thing. And especially doing what we're doing now, there's a ton of us that are pivoting, but you have to bring that value. You can't just say, throw something against the wall and see if it'll stick. And I think that is the mentality when you're talking about taking the nose is sometimes back in the day, that's what we would do. We would just throw stuff out there to see what would stick. Mm-hmm. And you're correct. The target market is where your things are at. That's where your clients are at. That's where your gold is at. Yeah. So yeah. when you were talking about growing as sales and, you know, taking the nose, how did you grow your team and lead your team to become that sales force that you needed them to be? Well, I think oh, the biggest part of the whole thing is me really understanding what their motivating factor was understanding why they were there, right? I think it's really easy to say like everybody wants to be here, but I think there's a lot of misconception that sometimes people are just there because they need a job, right? Sometimes people are just there because it was convenient for them or it's close to home or they wanted the new skill set. So for me, what I really like to do as an individual, as a leader, as a coach is understand why people are there, what their motivation is, and then I like to do, if you've ever heard of a SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. uh, weaknesses, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, 
a lot of times when they do that, they relate it to a business, right? What's the business strengths? What's the business weaknesses? I, I relate that directly to my people. And I say, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What opportunities do you have? And what are the threats to the growth that you want? So when I can take and do that personalized SWOT analysis and understand what their motivation is, well, now while I'm encouraging and working alongside them, I can remind them like, we're here because you know you want the new car or we're here because you need to pay off student loans. We're here because you just had a baby, right? I can use their personal things uh, to help in incentivize them and encourage them to say, let's keep going. Because I think a lot of people lose motivation these days very quickly. But now what I'm able to do is almost like light a fire under their butt to say like, hey, we're here because you want to be here, right? We're here because we want to help out. And this is the reason why you're here. Let's keep going because of this, right? It can be so valuable if they know what they're working towards. Yes. And I love that you said the SWOT analysis because I was going like, yep, I know exactly what that is. And I've used that a time or two with my team. And you're correct. It is a way to get them motivated because when you don't know what motivates somebody, it's going to be hard to get them to go from point A to point B mm -hmm. until you do know. And then once they realize that you care, that's that old adage. They don't know that you care until you show them you care. Exactly. And you have to be willing to do that. And let's talk a little bit about your coaching because you're talking about motivating. Mm -hmm. So what else do you do in your coaching with your clients to show them that where they're at is probably not where they want to be. That's why they came to you to where they want to go. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've worked with companies that are startups that it's their first day where they just had the idea this morning, right? And they want to turn it into a business. I've also worked on the other end where there are companies that I've done uh, done in terms of coaching that are doing $2.5 billion a year in sales. So I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And what I've seen is exactly what you talk about. A lot of times people think what the problem that they're solving is the business that they're in. And that's not really the case all the time. So what I really do with, with my coaching is I want to help people realize there's, there's more out there, there's more opportunities and there's more possibilities, but we need to zero in on your value proposition, right? We need to see what value you're offering and kind of, kind of break it down to its most basic level and say, Hey, what is this? Why are you good at it? Right? How can we use this to create a story? And then now that we have this, let's use, let's use building blocks to get forward, right? What, what makes you qualified to tell this story? Okay. And what resources do we need to tell this story? What channels can we use to get through that story? What are the costs associated with it? What are the, the revenues that we can make from it? What have you already done? What are the numbers? So it's really everything from the very basics of like, what is your idea up to analytics of how much money came in today? Okay, great. What's our overhead? Did we make enough to cover our overhead? Did we make enough to make a profit? Did we make a profit? Is there an ROI, a return on investment? So a lot of what I do is not wild, crazy business concepts, but I bring it down to like the base level so that I make sure me and the client are on the same page. And then once we're on the same page and I see that, what I'm trying to do is now say, okay, how can we continue to stay on the same page as we grow and create that growth as we're moving forward? So create those opportunities to learn. Definitely. And I think that that's 
it's amazing that you brought that up because when we're talking about changing and knowing exactly where we want to go, when I first started this, I was wanting to help moms that have sons and daughters that are incarcerated in prison. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because I have my own son that's in there right now. And it dawned on me that with the coach that I hired and he was going like, so I was telling him all the things and he's going like, okay, what you're wanting to do is admirable. And he said, that can be your community service <laughs> part. Yeah. And he said, but you're, you have taken people from, I've taken a call center agent that was really smart. Shouldn't have been where he was at, but I took him to a level one to a level 20. He got hired in a senior director level, which wow, is wow. unheard of mm-hmm. within a matter of two weeks after I critiqued his interviewing skills. And I just kept giving him story after story of that. And he's like, so this is what I hear. And I love it when coaches are able to really give you good, honest feedback. And when you're talking to your clients, when you give them that feedback, do they see it right then? Or do some of them have to sit down and really think about it because they're seeing the weeds and not seeing the whole mountain? Well, that's actually what I talked to you about before we got started with this idea of learning styles, right? What I like to do is I take notes on the actual customer, the client, and I say, here's where we're at. And, you know, some perfect examples of it as well is these notes right here are from the cleaning company that I was actually taking the notes and I write them down for my own respect. I communicate them to the client and say, this is where we're at verbally. But because not every single person is an auditory learner, I like to write it down as well and then give them a reference sheet that talks about all of what we just just It discusses what we just talked about, right? Right. So I want to give it to them in multiple different ways so that it really, if it doesn't sink in the first time, it really sinks in the second time because they can read it over and over and over again. So I uh, would prefer to do it, one, identify what learning style they have, right? Then when I know what learning style they have, give it to them in a way that it addresses that learning style because that's what's going to make the most sense to them. And that's when they're going to be able to impart the change that they're really talking about and really want to see. Yeah. Exactly. And I totally agree with that because I think that that's one of the things is because you're right. Everybody has that different learning. And like for me, not only do I need to write it down, but I need to do, I can't just have somebody tell me stuff because it is not going to sink in. Yeah. So one of the things when you were talking about building that relationship with that client, when they got it when they got that aha moment where did they go from there were they able to go from that and i want to coin this term and it's actually from joel bauer but zero to hero were they able to take that momentum and just keep building it or did some of them go off on the sidelines because i know some people have a tendency to do that as well yeah Yeah. (laughs) a lot of people know what they want. Some people want one specific session where they think that one session is going to fix everything. And some people want uh, the longevity of it. I tend to be really upfront with people. I I like to let people know this will be a six month process, right? It doesn't always need to be. It'll be a three month process, a six month process. 
after we have the initial conversation and go through the first section, I like to let them know, hey, we are going to continue working on this and this is how long I think it will take. But it's that idea of, I wanna be upfront with people. I wanna let them know this is how long it's going to take because I think some people think it's going to be magic, right? The yeah. fact that you can create that turnaround in two weeks is awesome, huge, unheard of though. Not many yeah. people can do that, no. right? No. So you have a unique ability to do that where most people don't, but I think a lot of people think it's like you go to Walmart, right? When you go to Walmart yeah. and buy something, you leave with it. They think that when you leave with it, now you have it all of a sudden. Intrinsic skills are not like that. They yeah. take time to practice and develop and get better at. So yeah. trying to be upfront with people in the beginning is great. And there are some people that just need one specific thing that we can target in one session, but it's very few and far between that we find someone that's just one. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, it is very rare because I really was not expecting that because most of the people I work with, it takes them a good couple of months, mm -hmm. literally, before they finally get to that point. And I think one of the things that helps too as well as coaches, as we're looking at clients and we're building their leadership skills and getting them to understand that being a servant leader is part of it too. What do you think about that concept about being that servant leadership and leading their team versus just trying to sit back and say all is well, when sometimes you've got to have those fierce conversations. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Still have that servant leadership mentality. I think that that's the, that's the difference between a leader and a boss, right? I think a lot of people act as a boss where they tell you to do this, tell you to do this, tell you to do this. And, Oh, I already put my time in. So I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to pay attention to it anymore. But when it comes to leadership, I think it's on the opposite side where you say like, we are going to do this. You'll notice a lot more words instead of the accusatory, like you do this and you should all be doing that. And like all those sort of things, with a leader, you see it more of like I and we and like inclusive conversation uh, language that's going to show them like you're part of the team, you're working with them. So, and that's always something that I've tried to do personally. Um, I like to say, you know, inclusively, this is what our game plan is. This is what I want to achieve with you guys. This is what we can do together um, and do specific check-ins all the time to say like, do you feel like we're working on this together? Do you feel like there's more I should be doing? Um, and I think that's also part of leadership as well asking them, what can I do differently, right? What do you need from me? Because sometimes they just know better than us. They're the ones that are actually inundated in this information all the time. So how can we learn from them just as much as they're learning from us and build the solution together as a team? Exactly, and I think you'll get a whole lot more follow through from your associates, from your team when you do give them that. Um, I think one of the first leadership books I ever read was um, Move Your Cheese. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yes. And it is amazing that I can still look back at that book and still use that analogy when I'm talking to people. And for those of you that have not heard of the book, Move My Cheese, please get it and read it. It's like literally, yes, who moved my cheese? It is literally like a 30-minute read, if that. And you can get so much out of that book. And it is, I just can't say it enough because it talks about two little mice and it talks about one changing and one not changing. And mm -hmm. even in today's world, it sticks 
so much with me when I'm talking to people. So do you ever use that analogy when you start coaching? Because I find it interesting on who who does and who doesn't because it, <laughs> it just sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So I use the principle, but I don't directly relate it to the book necessarily. Um, if you can see, I do have a lot of books. I do really enjoy reading. So I try to pick um, parts of it rather than like an entire uh, book in general. I really like underlining parts of it um, and saying like, hey, we're going to just use this section right here and where it should come from. Um, this was a great one. This was actually recommended to me by a pastor from when I was younger. And um, he said it really, he really thought that I should read it because it would be very beneficial. So I use a lot of the principles that are in here, but I, I add them into a mixture of other ones to kind of come up with my own version of it uh, yeah. and really tie it into the message that's necessary for that specific client, right? Yeah. I think everybody has their own unique challenges. Everybody has their own unique obstacles. So we can use things like Who Moved My Cheese, but I think the value in that book and in any of the books that I have are what you perceive as the value, right? It's different yeah. for you than it is for me, and it's different for them than it is for me. So I can teach them a little bit about it, but if I really want them to get the core of it, then I recommend the book and say, hey, go read this. And I've done that before with a couple different clients, and I said, here's a book. I want you and your team to read the entire thing. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that is one of the things as leaders that we should be willing to read and really to grow that knowledge. Because mm -hmm. I know today is fast paced, but just give yourself that hour a day, 30 minutes a day, whatever you can actually dig out and just sit down and actually read because you're going to get a whole lot from it. And I'm oh, like no. you, I can't even... I actually had to get rid of, I think it was like 150 books <laughs> long ago. And I still have a full bookcase, still have books over here and what's downloaded on my tablet. So it's giving ourselves that time to actually grow professionally and personally too as well. So I think that that's a really huge thing as well. Mm -hmm. So why don't you talk a little bit about that new book that you just put together yeah, yeah, for homeschooling parents, because I think that's really good knowledge that our listeners need to hear. Absolutely. The book itself is called The Creator's Guide. Let me get it right here. And it's, its goal is right here, 50 Lessons to Develop Kids' Creativity. So what we're really trying to do with this is uh, take the idea of, one, learning styles, right? Learning styles are so important. If you've never heard of them before, that right there kind of tells you uh, the scarcity of information that we're talking about. Um, I don't think there's enough emphasis on learning styles, but they're so valuable because every person has a unique learning style. Every person has a unique opportunity to retain information, but if it's not being delivered to them in a way that uh, helps them keep that information in, it's not going to work, right? So yeah. uh, this book was designed to be the most uh, inclusive and interactive activity book for students ever. Uh, it's yeah. for ages six to 13 and you can do some of these with older. Um, it'd probably be a little bit challenging for younger students, but six plus. And what we really do, uh, one of the things that you really enjoyed, and I'll give you one of these for free, uh, is we really break it down. So this one right here, you can see is keep it up leak, right? This yeah. is the idea we used to have when we were younger. You take a balloon and you see who can keep it up the longest and, yep. and really the game, 
right? But it gives you the instructions. It tells you for advanced learners how to make it more challenging. Um, in the back section of every book of every chapter, so there are three chapters or three sections, we give you useful tips to make it even less challenging so that if you have um, students that might have a disability or students that uh, need a little bit extra time, ways to make it a little bit easier so that everybody can be included in it. And it also includes this parental supervision over here. Uh, how involved is the parent going to have to be? This one, hitting a balloon, not so much, right? But yeah. we do have ones in here where there are five, five puzzle pieces and the parents totally need to be involved. A lot of it because they might be using scissors or a knife or you know a hot glue gun. So there's safety precautions as well. But the really cool part is this hashtag right here, right? I love that. So, so each each one of them, and you can see this is this carries throughout the book. Each one of them has a unique hashtag that uh, when you're playing this, you can take pictures of it, you can record videos of it, and you can show this directly to uh, the rest of the community. That's you know part of the creative guide community on social media channels, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's TikTok, whatever it might be. You can use those hashtags to not only uh, see how other people are doing it, but also have a friendly competition with those people. So yeah. with this book, it's sold in, uh, it became a top seller in the US very quickly, but um, it also sold copies in Europe, in Asia, in South America. And with that spreading around, we're not creating a, a localized uh, community. We're creating a global community of people that now you can compete with and your friends that are also the creators, right? The, the idea of the creator's guide is to create the creative genius. Um, we can now have those those creative genius, creative geniuses, creative genii around the world. And you can compete with them to see like, hey, we kept the balloon up for two minutes and 48 seconds. Oh, well, we did it for four minutes. Okay, well now let me try and see if I can go do it for four minutes. So it's just really cool. And we've we put so much thought into this to make it so inclusive for uh, accelerated learners, uh, you know, the typical learner, and the, the learner who might need a little bit more time uh, or you know, is handicapped in a physical way. And then at the same time, making it inclusive saying, we can have a global reach while we're doing this. And we can bring so many people in and create a community of people that want this type of interactive learning with the learning styles. And that is absolutely amazing. And that's why I love it because you're creating future leaders globally with just that workbook. And that's one of the things that really drew me to it when you started talking about the hashtags, because whether anybody likes it or not, social media is here to stay. Social yeah. media is going to grow your career. It's going to grow your leadership skills. And I think with them being able to use hashtags and do these little friendly competitions, it builds those leadership styles up because now they're going to, take what they learned from that and they're just going to keep building on it throughout their lives. And that's one reason why I wanted you to show it because I think it's absolutely amazing to use something like that to let these youngsters and these parents grow because I think sometimes parents are a little bit maybe shy saying, I need some of these skills mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to learn it along with their kids because in all honesty, I really wish I would have had something like that when my boys were younger. Yeah. yeah. So, and it would have been so much more fun. And I think that's what we need to bring the teaching and the learning back. They, we need to bring back the fun. We need to bring back the experimentation, the mm 
the leadership of it and let them take the lead. So I think that's a really good thing. And that's what yeah. I do. I mean, with some of these, um, we could see that there really weren't many puzzle pieces in terms of what we would need, right? Yeah. But in other ones, we can see that there are there's a higher level of interaction like this, right? This one's four puzzle pieces. Yeah. We can see that there's a higher level of interaction that the parents are going to need. But for the most part, our, our goal as an education company and as a business uh, coach is really trying to act more so as facilitators, right? We want to teach you guys how to have that creative thinking skill, how to, you know, have that free form thought process uh, throughout the process. And it's the same thing with, with students. It's, it's not just business professionals, it's students as well. How can we bring those students in and say, we want you guys to be learning this too, uh, but we want you guys to do most of the learning and come to us when you need help. So I think we kind of have to change the way that education landscape has been done a little bit uh, and done historically because normally that there's a teacher in the front of the room teaching and students are just receiving information. Well, how can we make it so that the students are teaching, you know, leading the teaching and retaining the information better because they're actually the ones seeking out the information. And then the teachers are facilitators and, and teach to them when they need to. Yeah. And I think with this generation of kids that are going to have this, now, when they get ready to go into the workforce, we're going to have a whole lot more thought leaders than we ever had, mm -hmm. just specifically because of that. And that is just amazing. All right. So I think if anybody has any comments, if you are not used to StreamYard, you have to let StreamYard allow you to make comments. So I don't see any. So do you have anything else before we sign off for today. No, no I, I, I want to say uh, thank you so much for having me. I absolutely appreciate it. It's been a blast. Um, people can find me on Facebook, on Instagram at The Creator's Guide um, or Grace Prentice Education. Uh, Grace Prentice Education is the education company. Um, we run our own podcast as well. Great uh, GP Educast, Grace Prentice Educast. Uh, five times a week where we talk about innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, education, uh, and really bring that information to you guys. But definitely check the book out on Amazon, The Creator's Guide. Um, it's it's so cool. It's just exciting to be a part of. Yeah. This was the first book that I published. So um, I'm excited that that is, that is done and available to people. Um, but I, I will leave it with one parting, parting thing, I guess. Um, when it really comes down to education, in my belief, the biggest missed opportunity that we have is recognizing the way students learn. Because if we can look at their opportunities, look at their learning uh, their learning styles and say, how do they learn? We can provide more information to them at a young age, even uh, as they get older, in the way that they're gonna need to retain it so they can maximize their takeaways from it. We can teach the same 30 kids one thing in one way and four people are going to seem like they understand it and the rest might not. Right. So how do we make it so that it's known for everybody? We develop it using this idea of learning styles. So if you want more information, check it out, send me a message. I'd be more than happy to talk to you guys about it. Help you out with your students. We have an assessment tool that we use um, on our end. And we're also in the process of building up some templates as well that you guys can use to continue this learning application uh, in your own respect. That is awesome. 
So I am going to end this the way I normally end all of my lives. And I am going to tell y'all, have a good one. And if nobody has told you today, you are important and you are the beacon of hope. Have a good one. Isaac, if you'll just stay just real quick. Mm-hmm.